my mic back on. That was my, yeah, they're, they're panicking in the sound booth back there, like, what's going on? And uh, it's me. It's a user error, okay? Let's take our Bibles to Psalm chapter 118. Thank you, uh, Pastor, for the invitation to come. And uh, it's just been good already. And my goodness, I, have, I had seen pictures of that mission house by, um, um, from afar from social media and different things when, when they were remodeling it. And uh, I decided after staying in it last night, I'm just going to move here. And, uh, I don't have to pay rent or anything, do I? Okay, good. But uh, man, that is spectacular. It just, I mean, he was describing it to me last night. I mean, it's just state of the art. And I've stayed in some places. If you're in the ministry long enough, you're going to stay in some places. But uh, it's just top notch. It just exceeded everything, expectation I had. And just so comfortable. I woke up at, and I'm not a morning person, and I woke up like whistling Dixie this morning. I get, <laughs> not Dixie, but, you know, Yankee Doodle or something. But, uh, but man, it was good. I appreciated that. And, uh, boy, praise the Lord for how he's already worked this morning. I've got a chance to hear from some of you already, some of your testimonies. And I always like going to a new church because I get to hear some of what the Lord has been doing uh, in your hearts and how the Lord brought you to himself and how he brought you even to this church and uh, what a blessing that is. So I'm looking forward to that this week. We'll have a good a couple of days together, Lord willing. And uh, you pray for me and I'll pray for you. But uh, again, my name is Calvin Allen. And uh, I've, been, I've been in the ministry this August. will start my 20th year of ministry. And so, of course, I started when I was three years old. And so now that I'm 23, no, but uh, at about a decade and a half, and you'll get close to me, man. But, uh, but it is good to be here. I, I've, I've been serving the Lord, uh, trying to serve him for a long time, uh, for about, like I said, 19 years. It always, it's funny, the first, the first revival I preached after I went into full-time evangelism, because I, I had been in the ministry for 14 years already, but uh, the pastor had me in, and he had my quartet come in and sing, and uh, he said, uh, tell us about yourself, Brother Allen. He said, and, he, and he asked me, he said, how long have you been in evangelism? And I said, well, about two weeks. You know? <laughs> I was like, okay. But uh, I've been preaching a long time, but I have only been in evangelism for two weeks when I did, my, when I did the first meeting with the quartet uh, up in Canada there. And so it is good to be here. Man, what about that Mount Rainier? Good night. And uh, I'm not used to seeing things like that. And I'm from Wisconsin. We see a little hill, and we get impressed with that. But... Um, I, have, I was telling the crowd this morning, I, have never, I had never been outside of the Seattle airport. I flowed through a couple times. I, w- I preached up in the Northwest Territories um, in Canada, but they always routed me through Seattle. And the, the first time, at least, they routed me through Seattle and then to Vancouver and then up to Yellowknife and uh, then up to Inuvik is the city up there. It's about, it's about 125 miles north of the Arctic Circle line, and I loved it up there. Man, it was great. But uh, I went at that time, and then when I preached in Vancouver, British Columbia, um, uh, I went over there as well, but I've never been outside of the airport here, so I'm glad. And he talked to me about all the murderers that were around this area right here. And if you were in Sunday school class, I said, that's nothing. We got Jeffrey Dahmer in Milwaukee. But, uh, and uh, he, he took it up a notch and ate people, amen? And uh, he, he took Lord's Supper really, li- never mind. But anyways, <laughs> Father, forgive me. I just, of course, being from Wisconsin, you know, we see this a lot in Wisconsin. Does anybody know what this means? What's that? No, it means my head hurts, my stomach hurts, where's my cigarettes? And uh, <laughs> so, oh, Father, 
We may not have revival. We're going to laugh a lot this week, okay? <laughs> Psalm chapter 118, if you'll stand for the reading of God's word. I don't know if that's tradition around here, but, you know, this is like the seventh inning stretch right now. So, And the pastor told me y'all used to get out of church at about 1.30. So, now, some of y'all don't know it. How many have ever been to, like, what we call a black church? You ever been to one of those? Okay, you're not getting out of church till 1 o'clock, okay? So that's where I came from yesterday. So, no, but, uh, man, I'm like, I need to bring a snack or a sub or something like that. And uh, that's why those old ladies always carried candy in their purse. They, they were almost in a diabetic coma by the time they got out of church. Psalm chapter 118, I want you to read one of the most popular verses in all of Scripture, and we're going to read it all together. It's verse number 24. You ready? This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Read it one more time together. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad. I read the NIV right there. I said that the Lord hath made. All right, one more time. Here we go. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. At my grandmother's church, when I was growing up, and, and oftentimes I'd go back to Illinois. I was born in Indiana, but I'd go to Illinois. She moved across the border and uh, near the Hazel Crest area, Chicago Heights. And I'd go to church with her over in Chicago Heights, or in, then the church moved to Hazel Crest, Illinois. And I'll never forget, her pastor used to stand up and say, This is the day that the Lord hath made. And the people would respond, They catch on quick, Pastor. You said they weren't sharp. No, I was kidding. And, uh, no, I was kidding. And uh, I'm sorry, I didn't post the date out loud. But uh, they would do that responsively. As a matter of fact, on our bus routes and church rally times, we'd often sing the song, This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I'll sing it with me. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We got at least two Pentecostals in the building. And uh, no, and uh, in our, at some churches, they say, you know, the only people that clap are visitors. Amen. And, uh, but I appreciate that. We're getting with it, man. I can, I can hang out with them. And... Uh, this is the day that the Lord hath made. How many times have we encouraged ourselves with that verse? I guarantee you, somebody on my social media accounts today, I'll be scrolling through, and there's almost two guaranteed verses I'm guaranteed to see. Psalm 122, verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And Psalm 118, 24, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice. And be glad in it. Can I say to you this morning? The verse means nothing like you think it means. We're going to look at that verse this morning. This is the day that the Lord hath made. You always, I always struggle with what to preach, especially my first message out of the chute in a revival like this. And, and uh, I really don't know why. You know, a lot of times people ask me for my sermon or they ask me for my text so they can put it up on the screen or something like that. And honestly, a lot of times I don't know until about three minutes before the service starts what I'm going to preach. And it's not out of laziness. 
You'll find that out real quick because this sermon is going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be about a, a semester worth of Bible college. And I'm going to I'm going to talk fast. OK, in a former life, I used to be a rapper. <laughs> Many of you don't notice, but Pastor Reno and I, we had a couple CDs together. Eminem and Dr. Dre. But anyways, uh, y'all aren't supposed to know what that is. <laughs> Worldly church around here, man. You're supposed to be Bereans searching the scriptures. They're too busy listening to rap music from the 80s and 90s. But, uh, but I'm, I'm going to talk fast. But God won't, I, I believe the Lord, I, I, I don't know, I should say this, I don't know why the Lord has me preaching this message. But I know this, when I listen to the Lord, he always reveals the reason why. 100%. And so somebody in this building may need this message tomorrow. If nobody else does, I need it this morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness. I pray right now that you'd help us from the scriptures. And Lord, I pray that we'd close out everything that's going out outside of these walls and just anchor in on the word of God just for about 40 minutes. And, and I pray that you would, again, empty me of self. Lord, what a great Sunday school hour you gave us. What great liberty I feel in this place already. And Lord, I pray that that would be so. May I not do anything that would hinder the working of your spirit. May I not quench you. May I not grieve you. Lord, I pray for everything I have grieved you over, Lord. I, I beg to, for, I plead your forgiveness, the, the blood of Christ on my life. And thank you so much that you are ready to forgive. Thank you that your mercies are new each day. Lord, I pray that we turn our thoughts towards Psalm 118. And I pray that you would give us a truth in the word of God that would make us different than we ever have been before. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. I will preach most likely tonight on revival itself, and uh, I'll pose some questions to you and, and uh, get you thinking a little bit. And then I'm praying that God will do something in you this week that'll, uh, that'll be permanent. I pray, my prayer is always fruit that remains. We want fruit that remains from this meeting. Listen, we, we, could, we could come up here and we could have a good time, uh, and we could, I could preach a bunch of stuff that would get you saying amen. Uh, but listen, that's, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to preach what I believe God has laid on my heart for you, which means if God laid something on my heart, it's for you. It's not for everybody outside. It's not for your neighbor. It's not for your wife. It's not for your husband. I've got that elbow before too in church. It's for you. And I'm praying that God will do something in us. But we're going to go a little bit different route this morning. As we look at this verse, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I cannot tell you how many times I've looked at a person and tried to encourage them with this verse. Or much like David, I tried to encourage myself in the Lord with these verses. But I think if we were to look at the context of these verses, we'd get a little bit of a clearer picture of what God was trying to say to his children. And we'll start for sake of time. Uh, we'll start that at verse number 16. The Bible says, well, let's start at... Uh, uh, verse 14, the Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. Can I ask you this this morning? It's a very simple question. Who is at the right hand of the Lord? The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. Va val I can't say that word this morning. Valiantly. Jesus is on the right hand of the Lord. He's doing valiantly, by the way. I'm glad he's still seated there where he ever liveth to make intercession for the saints. And the Bible goes on to say this. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth 
valiantly. We, of course, know that the Bible says uh, in Jesus Christ, God has given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible says he has made him to be both Lord and Christ. Hebrews chapter 1 says, God who had sundry times and in diverse manners spake unto us by the Father hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. And when he had by himself purged our sins, he is set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus Christ is exalted by God. So Brother Allen, I'm not sure if that's what it's talking about here. Okay. The Bible says, I shall not die but live. And declare the works of the Lord. So whoever it's talking about, he's talking about somebody that's going to appear to have died and yet live. I love this. The Bible says, thou, he will not leave his, uh, his soul in hell, neither will he suffer his holy one to see corruption. According to the Jewish tradition in that, in that day, uh, after the third day, uh, the body would begin to see corruption and the body would begin to break down and it was beyond all hope. But I thank the Lord that Jesus Christ was not given over to death. God never suffered his one, this holy one, to see corruption. Let's go further. The Bible says, The Lord hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. And so whoever this is, whatever passage this is talking about, if it's prophetic or if it's not, it says there's going to come a time where there's going to be somebody that it seems like the Lord has chastened them, but he's not going to give them over to death. So, Brother Allen, what could that be? That might be out of Psalm chapter, uh, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 53, where it said, He came as a sheep to the slaughter dummy. He spoke not a word. And the Bible says, We did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And by the way, the Jews still believe that today. They believe that Jesus Christ was smitten of God. Matter of fact, if you were to read in the Talmud, it would, say, it would say that Jesus Christ is literally right now burning in hell in human excrement. That's what they teach. And listen, I'm not, anti, of course I'm not anti-Jew. I believe, I believe God's going to, all of Israel will be saved one day according to uh, uh, Romans chapter 10, I believe it is. God said he took that unnatural branch, which is us. The wild olive branch, he put us in the tree, and there's going to come a day where he's going to take that natural branch and put them in the tree as well. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. We'll all be together. But the Bible said that these, these Jews, they esteemed him stricken of God, smitten and afflicted. Matter of fact, one of the accusations against him was he made himself to be the son of God. Therefore, he is a blasphemer. Therefore, he ought to be put to death by our laws and our traditions and by the rules of God. And by the way, if he was not God, they were exactly right. If he claimed to be the son of God, then by the law, he ought to have been stoned. He ought to have been killed. And so they thought what they were doing was the will of God. He said, they chastened me. The Lord chastened me, but he didn't give me over to death. Open the gates of the righteousness, and I will go in them, and I will praise the Lord. And uh, we don't have time to go into that. I'm going to skip forward a little bit here for sake of time. Uh, the Bible says, I will praise you, verse 21, for thou hast heard me, and art become my salvation. Watch, watch this. Verse number 22. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. He said, whoever this is, what's going to happen is they're going to, he's going to come to that crowd. They're going to reject him. But after they reject him, he's going to become the chief 
cornerstone. Let us remind us of John chapter 1, I believe it was verse 12, verse number 14, I can't remember which one. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But unto many, as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Whatever passage we're talking about, he's going to be rejected. But he's going to become the chief cornerstone of it all. This is the Lord's doing. Watch this. And it is marvelous in our eyes. Can I ask you this? What is the Lord's doing? What's the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes? The, when the chief cornerstone is rejected. When he is rejected, it's going to be marvelous. It's the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. When he is not given over to death, and yet he has been chastised by the Lord, when he is doing valiantly, and yet he seems to be rejected of the Lord, it is the Lord's doing, and it ought to be marvelous in our eyes. And then he goes on to say this, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. What was he saying? He's saying that Brother Allen is going to come a day where Jesus Christ himself, uh, he's going to be despised. He's going to be rejected. He's going to be cast out. They're going to say he's smitten of God and afflicted. Matter of fact, they're going to mock him. They're going to spit on him. Man, there's nothing worse than being spit on by a man. And he's going to be spat upon. As a matter of fact, they're going to say, you're the son of God. They're going to put a, a cloth over his head, a hood over his head, and they're going to buffet his face and say, if you're really God, tell us who hits you. He's rejected. All the way even up to the crucifixion where they said, the king of the Jews. Pilate wrote that and he said, and those Jews, boy, they got so mad about that. They said, he's not our king. Listen, a bunch of Jews said, he, we have no king but Caesar. It's like, are you, that's like me, you know, some, some country out there in the world, and I said, well, we have no king, but, never mind. And I uh, almost got political on you right there. We have no king, but the one who, never mind. And uh, I couldn't imagine that. But here they are rejecting him time after time after time. And God said, when you see that happen, when you see him die, when you see him chastised, when you see him rebuked, that's the day that the Lord made. You ought to rejoice, and you ought to be glad in it. Now I want you to turn to Matthew. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 21. By the way, we can, we can look back to Psalm. You don't have to turn back to Psalm. Turn to Matthew 21. We can read on a little bit in the passage there. It says, uh, verse 26, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of God. God is the Lord which hath shown us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. He says, there's going to come a day. When there's going to be a sacrifice that is bound. 
And before he is bound, watch this, before he is bound to the altar, we're going to first say, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 21. And when they drew, can you hear that? My stomach's growling already, preacher. And uh, it's time to shut it down right now. Revival or no revival, bless God, we're hungry. And when they drew nigh to Jerusalem, verse 1, they were come to Bethpage out of the Mount of Olives, and he sent to two of his disciples, saying unto them, Go into the villages over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied, and a colt in her loose, and, and, and a colt, excuse me, with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught to you, and you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, your king cometh uh, unto the uh, uh, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and the, and the colt, the foal of an ass. By the way, that's in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse number 9. Prophecy fulfilled. The day is approaching. And the Bible says... And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. And they, of course, they saw him. And, and the great multitude, of verse number 8, spread their garments in the way. And others cut down branches from the tree. There we go. Palm Sunday. We, we celebrated a few weeks ago. Branches from the trees and straw them in the way. And the multitude that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. See if this sounds familiar. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Boy, that sure sounds like Psalm chapter 118, doesn't it? And he said, when you see this, when you see this day approaching, that's the day the Lord made. Be rejoiced, be glad in it. As they're saying, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, be glad in it. We see the day approaching. And look at this. Jesus clears the temple in chapter, verse number 12. Of course, they crying out to him, and verse 16, unto them, here's verse 15, uh, they get upset that they are saying, the chief priests and the scribes are upset, and the Bible says they hear the children saying, Hosanna to the son of David, and they were sore displeased. Here it is. He's about to be afflicted. He's about to be rejected. And he said unto them, hearest thou what these say? Jesus saying unto them, yea, have ye never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? Jesus pointed them back to the Old Testament again. Psalm chapter 8 and verse number 2. Why? Because this is the day that the Lord hath made. We'll rejoice and we'll be glad in it. He curses the fig tree later. Then he comes down there and they ask him in verse 23, By what authority dost thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? And he answered and said unto them, I will ask you, I will ask you one thing, which if ye tell me, I will, and he goes again to go to the story, he asked them, Is John the Baptist of men or is he of God? The Bible says, Because of the fear of the people, they didn't answer him. And they said, We cannot tell in verse number 27. Watch this. So Jesus gives them an illustration. But what think ye? He said, a certain man had two sons, and he came to the first. He said, son, go to thy work today. Go to work today in my vineyard. And he answered him and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said likewise. And he answered, I go, sir. 
and went not. Whither of them twain did the will of the Father? And they say unto Jesus, they say unto him, the first, watch this, here's what he said. He said, okay, I'm going to give you an illustration here. I got two sons. The one son, I said, hey, I need you to go do some work. And he says, go chase yourself. Isn't that a blessing when your kids say that? If my kids ever said that, I wouldn't have any kids. <laughs> go chase yourself, dad. But the Bible says he repents. He's like, oh, my goodness. I, I can't believe I said it to my dad. I just, I just saw CJ a few months ago here at the men's, uh, I think in February, uh, we were at the, uh, the men's conference there at that church. And uh, he, he said, if you, he told me if I want to impress the people, say Puyallup. <laughs> Did I get it right? All right, good. And, uh, and it's like when I go to, whenever I go to the Bahamas, you got to say, mother sick, amen? And uh, that means, whoa, that's awesome, cowabunga. No, but uh, yeah, that's back from the 80s too. <laughs> I can't believe I just said cowabunga in the pulpit. <laughs> but and he, says, he says, this one said, dad, go chase yourself. But he said, he repented and he, got, and he went and he did what I told him to do. Well, it's good when our kids, maybe they get a little cross with us, but then they say, you know what, dad was right. I'm going to go do what dad said. But then he said he had another son, and he said, I go, sir. And he didn't do it. And he asked them, which one is the father pleased with? And they thought they were so smart. Oh, they thought they were so smart. And they said, of course, that first one, even though he said no to the father, he repented later, and he got it right. And Jesus said, yes, you're correct. Watch what he says. Verily I say unto you that the publican, a hated man, and the harlot, the despised, the seller of her own body, will go into the kingdom of God before you. Ooh. I mean, it's about to be on like Donkey Kong. <laughs> he just smacked them in the face and threw down the gauntlet. Said, Brother Allen, what was he talking about? Here's what he was talking about. He said there was, a, there was a generation of people that when they heard the laws of God, when they heard the righteousness of God, they said, uh-uh, God, go chase yourself. And go take, these were the publicans. These were the sinners. These were the wicked people. These were the Gentiles, if you will. They were the ones who didn't follow the ways of the Lord. They were the ones who rejected the word of the Lord. These were the Hittites and the Jebusites and all the other ites people that were in the promised land. They had rejected the ways of God. We can go all the way back to Cain and Abel and there was a group of men who said, God, go chase yourself. And there was another group called the children of Israel who said, yes, sir. And they constantly disobeyed him. They constantly, and when the word of God came to them, they constantly rejected and rejected and rejected. And what Jesus did, he just slapped them in the face and said, you think you're so righteous? There's going to be a bunch of despised sinners and a bunch of prostitutes and a bunch of gigolos and a bunch of pimps and a bunch of street walkers that are going to enter the kingdom of God before you do. That really encourage your self-image, doesn't it? By the way, this is the same illustration given in, in Luke chapter 15. 
I've heard for years people preach Luke 15, Luke 15, the prodigal son, the prodigal son. Every youth conference I've ever gone to in my entire life just about has preached out of Luke chapter 15. But can I lighten you today this morning? Luke chapter 15 has to do with the children of Israel and the Gentiles. The Gentiles were the ones who said, Dad, go chase yourself. The Gentiles were the ones who we wasted our substance with riotous living. We accepted the gods of the Amorites on the other side of the flood. We accepted the false gods of, of our socialistic societies. We, we accepted the false god of our immoral lifestyles. And God came to us and he said, hey, we were in the hog pen. We were lost and without hope. But thank God the Father was still waiting there for us. And once we repented and he, he made a way for us and he accepted us, we were able to be forgiven. But that other son said, wait a minute, I'm your chosen people. Why are you letting all these Gentiles, why are you letting all these people come back and you're giving them a white robe? And you're killing the fatted calf for them? And you're giving them a ring? And you're giving them new shoes called the gospel? What's up with that? And God said to them, listen, all that he has is not, he's, by the way, he still has promises for the Jewish people. When they do come to him, they're really going to see something fulfilled like they've never seen it before. But right now, they're at home. They think they're saying, yes, sir, doing a wonderful job. And they're like, they got the rotten attitude. And God's like, I got to adjust you later, too. Now watch this. Then he gives them another illustration. And I'm going to quote it for sake of time. He gives them another illustration. He says, okay. He said, there was a man who had a vineyard. And here's what that man did. That man, uh, there was workers in there. They were having trouble. And they were, all of his servants, they were having problems. And so he sent one of his workers down there. And he said they killed him. They rejected him, killed him. And then he said he sent the second worker down there. And they killed him. And then he said, you know what I'm going to do? He said, I'm going to send my son down there. Watch this. I'm going to send my son. And the Bible said they, when they saw him, verse 38, but when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize his inheritance. And they caught him out the vineyard out of, and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord, therefore, of the vineyard cometh, what will he do to those husbandmen? He said, man, they killed his worker. Okay, he sent another one. They killed the worker. He said, I'm going to send my son. And then they kill his son. What is he going to do? The Bible says, and they said unto him, verse 41, he will miserably destroy those wicked men. And here the Jews were about to kill the son. What do you think God's going to do to them? Here's what your Bible says. And he will let out his vineyard to other husbandmen. That's called the New Testament church. And which shall render him fruit of their seasons. Watch this. Jesus said to them, here it is. Did ye not read in the scriptures in Psalm chapter 118? The stone which the builders rejected. The same is become the head cornerstone. Watch this. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. 
Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And watch this, verse 45, they perceived that he spake of them, and what did they do? But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because he took them forth. But here they go, how do we get him now? It's time to crucify him. And he said, when you see this, and just a few short chapters later, they're driving spikes in his hands and his feet. And he said, when you see all of this happen, stay with me. When you see all of this happen, Psalm chapter 22, you know what he says? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? They pierced my hands and my feet. He said, my soul is poured out before me. He said, all my bones look upon me. All those prophecies are being fulfilled, preacher, in this one season. And he said, when you see that, when you see him sped upon, when you see those spikes driven in his hands and his feet, by the way, that word was prophesied thousands of years before there ever was a such thing as a crucifixion. He said, they're going to pierce my hands and my feet. When you see that crown of thorns, when you see that sacrifice in Psalm 118 that is bound to the altar, this is the day that the Lord hath made. We'll rejoice and we'll be glad in it. This is a terrible day. I know it looks terrible. I know it looks horrendous. I know he looks like a mess. The Bible says in Isaiah that his visage was so marred they couldn't even tell he was a man. And he's up there and he's being crucified. And that's my Lord and that's my Savior. And I see it when they put the rod there and they smash that crown of thorns on his head and he begins to bleed and he begins to die little by little. And I see them with that cat of nine tails. But the Bible says I am not supposed to weep and mourn. It says I'm supposed to rejoice and be glad in it because it purchased my salvation. Can I say something to you about the cross this morning? The cross was the sovereign's design. It was God's plan. God was the one that came up with the uh, formula for the cross being the salvation of mankind. It is the sovereign's design. And when we look at him dying on the cross, uh, the Father willed it. That's why when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Not my will, but thy will be done. It was the sovereign's design. Jesus said, Oh, let this cup pass from me. Oh, I don't want to drink of this bitter cup. Nevertheless, it was the sovereign's design. I want you to notice this. It was the Savior's doing. You see him in agony on the cross and in the agony in the garden of Gethsemane as he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood, but he still went through with it. He still did it. It was the Savior's doing, but I love this. It spelled Satan's doom. It spelled Satan's doom. 
Oh, when we look at the cross, this is why we can rejoice and be glad in it. I believe the demons of hell, I believe they were rejoicing. I believe they were present. By the way, that's why I believe when he said in that garden, when he said, who are you? And they said, are you Jesus Christ? After Judas kissed him, they still wanted to confirm it. And they said, are you him? And he said, I am he. And guess what happened to those soldiers? The Bible says they fell out. Could you imagine the spiritual battle that was going on there? That Jesus just spoke the word and people began to fall out. Powerful. Because Satan knew, oh, I believe Satan thought, I got him this time. Oh, I got him. And by the way, this is a little sidebar right here. Do you remember when God cursed man in Genesis chapter 3 after they sinned? Here's what God said to mankind. He said, to show you that you are a sinner, to show you that you are depraved, to show you that you are damned and desolate, now you are going to be satisfied by the sweat of your brow. He said, now, to remind you that you are a sinner, to remind you that you are condemned, every time you work with your hands, you're going to sweat, and this salty solution will pour out of your body. But the Lord Jesus Christ was not a sinner, and here he was under the greatest stress of his life, and all of a sudden, liquid began to pour from his capsules, and it was not a salty solution because he was not a sinner, but it was the very blood of God. And it spelled Satan's doom. And I could see the demons of hell dancing around that empty tomb. And I could see out of that tomb, and I could see they say, we got him. Oh, day one, we got him. He's smitten of God. He is chastised. He's been given over to death. And I can see them day one and day two. And all of a sudden, before that 72nd hour, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose the victor from the dark domain. And he lives forever with the saints to reign. It was Satan's doom. And I'm going to tell you, once he saw that, he's like, man, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. And then he said this. It's the saint's delight. Aren't you glad that moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, how that Jesus died according to the scriptures, and how he was buried, and how he rose again the third day according to the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we get saved by that gospel. Aren't you glad we can live and we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today, and I know that he is living whatever men may say. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Can you handle one more Bible verse? Yes. Here's the entire message. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Most of you can quote it. And we know that all things work together for all things work together for Good. to them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. Now watch this. Hang on with me. Watch this. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate. That's a good Bible word. To salvation, to heaven, to hell? No. He predestined us to be conformed to the image of who? His son. Okay, so let me ask you this. Berean Baptist Church, searching the scriptures. If you're predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, what does his son look like? 
if I'm supposed to live my life to look like Jesus, what does Jesus look like? Well, you'd have to go to Revelation to figure out what he looks like right now. John, when he saw him, preacher, he said he looked like a lamb that had been slain. So when we look upon him in heaven, he's going to look like a lamb that had been slain before the foundation of the world. You are supposed to be conformed to his image. Then you may have to look like you've been crucified. Brother Allen, it's painful. I know it's painful. I know it's painful. I know it hurts. But it's the Lord's doing. And it is marvelous in our eyes. And this is the day that the Lord hath made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Because he said, when you're rejected like Jesus was rejected. See, we rejoiced when Jesus got rejected, didn't we? We saw him and we looked at him and the chief cornerstone is being cast away. We rejoiced in him, didn't we? Because we knew the end of the story. We knew that if they were to crucify him, he's going to rise again and purchase our redemption. And so we rejoiced in that. We rejoiced in the fact that he was crucified and they sped upon him and they mocked him. And we rejoiced about the Garden of Gethsemane when he was in such agony and travail of soul that he began to sweat blood drops from his capillaries. We rejoice when they say, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And we rejoice when he told off the Pharisees. And we rejoice when they, when they were at the tomb. And we rejoiced in that crucifixion. We rejoiced in everybody turning away because it meant our redemption. But why don't we rejoice when we face the same things? What about when you're rejected, sir? What about when the people when you, that you love most Walk out of your life like every one of his disciples walked out of his life. I'm talking about in the darkest hour of Jesus' life. Every The Bible says all of them forsook him. We rejoice in Christ, but you're supposed to look like him. Maybe you're sitting in this room this morning, and the people who claim to love you the most in your life, at the most critical moment of your life, they walked out on you. Maybe people that you gave your life to, maybe the very people that were cheering you on one week. Go, yeah, go, preacher, go. Oh, we got the best pastor in the world. Boy, this is awesome. Now, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And yet they're the same ones over three and four days later that are yelling, crucify him, crucify him. But let me tell you, preacher, you look like Jesus when that happens. Because he went through that too. And they spit in your face and mock you. He's trying to conform you to the image of his son. When your heart is ripped out. See, Jesus didn't die from a crucifixion. He, they stabbed him in his side and blood and water came out. That means his heart gave out. His heart broke. His heart failed. 
Let me tell you right now, if you're sitting in this room this morning and you've got heartache, maybe nobody even knows what your heartache is. Maybe you've got bitterness in your soul that's so deep that nobody's ever seen it and you'd have to plunge real deep to get that out. I'm going to tell you today, that's what Jesus went through. But he's not doing it to break you. Listen, he didn't put you in the home of an alcoholic father to break you. He didn't let you marry somebody who maybe you shouldn't have, but you're in a predicament of life. He didn't, listen, he's not trying to break you in your life. He's trying to make you. He didn't, listen, he didn't have you say goodbye to a baby prematurely. He didn't have you go to the grave of a husband or a wife or of a grandmother or a little baby to break you, my friend. He made you. It's the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our sight because it's going to make us like Jesus. Very briefly, I was preaching a camp. I was preaching a camp last June. This camp, it was on from day one. I mean, from the first moment. They, they, they introduced me to, to sing. I came up to the pulpit. I sang a few songs, and I just felt like the Lord wanted me to stand up and start leading them in congregational songs about the cross. And I'm talking about everybody began to, I mean, it, it, the invitation, they just start walking the aisle. I, didn't, I, hadn't even pre- I hadn't even read my Bible text. Before I ever preached, Pastor, seven people had come down the aisle and gotten saved. It was unreal. I preached that night, seven others walked the aisle and got saved. We had a 40-minute invitation after the church service that night at the camp. The next night, we had an hour and a half invitation after the, after the preaching. I mean, it was on. Every service was just thick of the Holy Ghost. It's unbelievable. I got up that Wednesday morning, taught again in the morning time on music. I, as I was walking to the pulpit, I, I, had, I hadn't even gotten a text all week. As I was walking to the pulpit, I got a text come through from my mother. And it said, your sister's in the hospital, you know, uh, she had to be checked in last night. I'll let you know. They're talking about putting her on dialysis. She had, she had kidney issues, and she, had, uh, she was uh, uh, diabetic and so forth. She said, we're thinking about putting a dialysis a port in because she's eventually, years down the road, going to need a kidney transplant and so forth. So I went to the pulpit. I just happened to look at my phone, which I normally don't even do. Looked at my phone. I, I asked the crowd if they would pray. Preached there, went to lunch, and I got a text from my mom. said, hey, put the dialysis port in there. You know, she's in recovery right now. Everything's fine. Great. Laid down a little bit later, and I, I thought I was dreaming. I heard a knock on the door. Opened the door, and the young man said, you need to call your wife now. And I'm thinking, what do my kids do? Put some shoes on, went over to the office there. Called my wife. The other end of the phone, my wife said, I don't know how to tell you this. She said, your sister's gone. My sister's tw- only 27, 13 years younger than I am, 27 years old. Mom said 30 minutes after she got into the recovery room, they were doing some first dialysis treatment. She had a seizure, passed away. I said, what did that feel like? Felt like being crucified. Felt like your heart's been ripped out. began to follow and try to get home as best I could and 
you're in shock. And if you've ever received news like that, you know what I'm talking about? You're just in shock. You don't even know. You can't cry. Can't smile. Can't like, it's just, you're just in shock. Found my way home finally, and I got in my car right away with my oldest son. We drove up to Minneapolis, Minnesota, where my mom and brother and sister live. And I got to the church that Sunday, and we went to their, their church and making the range. They're a good pastor, independent Baptist preacher. They've been a part of that church for years. And, and I, was, I was honestly, I was hoping, preacher, I thought, please don't let her ask me to do this funeral. Please don't let her ask me to do this funeral. I've done many for our family, and I was like, I just want to sit and I want to grieve. I don't want to talk. I don't want to do anything. I don't even want to sing. Just let me grieve. And we met with the pastor, and, the pa- and my mom said, well, I want Calvin to preach. And honestly, in my, inside of my heart, I'm like, oh. But my mom said, I want the gospel preached. And I was like, I'll do it. I'll do it. About a week later, brought the whole family back up. And there's my baby sister. And the grace of God, I'm going to tell you, was was so evident in that room. My mom was comforting everybody else. Here's her baby, her youngest. And they were roommates. My mom and her lived together. And I'm, I, I'm telling you, it, 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 preaching that day, I don't even know how to explain it. It was like I was sitting on the front row watching myself preach. The Holy God was so thick in that place. The church was packed. See, there's another part of this verse that we ignore all the time. It says, we are supposed to be conformed to the image of his son. But here's what that last part says, Pastor. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I preached that funeral. Listen to me. My heart was broken. I gave the invitation. I had to do a funeral style. There's no way we could handle all those people. And I always preferred one-on-one, but I just couldn't. And I, I, I'm telling you, if there was ever a straight funeral message, I preached the ever-living devil out of those people. I didn't want to be there. I was like, hang this. I mean, I was, I was borderline mean. And I was like, if you want to get saved. And I said, I feel sorry for some of you. I don't feel sorry for my mother because we're going to see her again. I feel sorry for those of you that have never seen my sister. She got saved. One of our missionaries led her to Christ. And I said, I said, Brother Allen, you lost your sister. I said, I didn't lose my sister. You only lose something when you don't know where it is. I knew exactly where she is. Matter of fact, not too many years we're going to go there. And I said, if you want to get saved, I said, I'm not talking about your religion. I'm not talking about bad. I'm, not, I'm talking about Jesus Christ. You want him to be your savior. Hang your religion. Hang your good works. And I mean, I was mean. And I said, I said, raise your hand if you want to get saved right now. And all these hands went up, and I'm like, they didn't hear me right. <laughs> I, I'm like, put those hands back down. And I said, I'm talking about born again Christian. You, I mean, repent of everything else, and it's grandma. If you want to get saved, I said, raise your hands. And, they, and I said, you can call on God to save right now. I said, if you don't know how to pray, I'll help you. You can call on the name of the Lord right now. He'll save you where you sit. Began to help him. We didn't call on the name of the Lord all around that auditorium. And I said, now, if you trusted Christ, I said, I'm not talking about you got religion or turned over a new leaf. He wanted to make you a new tree. I said, I want you to raise your hand and 
preach our hands went up all over that turn. I, it got to the, I was starting to count. I was trying to count hands, and my eyes just began to fill with tears. And I couldn't even count anymore. Man, I was just weeping. One of my buddies, we talked about this in Peoria right now at Crossroads. He said, he told me after the funeral, he said, Calvin, he said, I counted 40 people. Being crucified, it hurts. But sometimes it might happen that you might be the firstborn among many brethren. Can I tell you what happened? We're, 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 we're done. My mom's boss was there at that funeral. She got saved. My mom's boss's boss got saved. My sister's dad got saved. My sister's grandmother got saved. Y'all listening to me? A couple months later, my mom went back to work. She works at the courthouse. And her boss's boss's boss came up to her and he said, she said, excuse me, Mr. Allen. He said, did your son preach your daughter's funeral? And she said, yes, he did. And he said, did they record it? And she's like, who is this weirdo? He's asking me about a recorded funeral over a month and a half ago. And she said, my church, I think they put it online. And he said, good. He said, because everybody's walking around talking about how they know for sure they're going to heaven. And I want to know that. You're hurt losing my sister. You, you have no idea. You have no idea the amount of tears that have been shed. But it's the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in my eyes. Because this is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Some of you, the very things that you have been weeping about every day of your life, the things that keep you up at night, they are the very things that God wants to use in your life to save people and to help people. Some of you have been taken advantage of in your life, and God needs some to use somebody that's been taken advantage of to minister to those that have been taken advantage of. God allowed me a bus kid. I don't even know who my dad is. If my daddy walked into this building tonight, I wouldn't know who he was. God used this bus kid to preach several years ago to 240 bus kids, and 41 of them walked the aisle and got saved. Scores of them dedicated their hearts to Jesus Christ and said, we're going to live for God. Because if God can do it in his life, God can do it in my life. My crucifixion hurt. It hurt when I was 17 years old, and that the result of a DNA test, I, I realized I didn't even know who my daddy was. No crucifixion, no resurrection. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Thank you for your patience this morning. I know we went a little bit long. I wonder if you'd allow God to take your crucifixion and make you more like Jesus. Say, Brother Allen, I've been accused wrongly. Jesus went through that. Brother Allen, I was rejected by those that said they loved me. Jesus went through that. But Alan, I don't even have a place to live. Jesus went through that too. But Alan, even the religious people don't like me. He went through that too. But Alan, it seems like God has turned his back on me. He went through that too. Will you do like he did and said, oh, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Make me like Jesus. 
that I might be the firstborn among many brethren. I wonder if you're sitting here today, sir, Brother Allen, there's been a time in my life where I've trusted Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. I've been saved by the good grace of God. I know I can literally go back in my mind, right? For me, it's 1170 West Wind Lake. I can see where I got saved. If that's you this morning, Brother Allen, I can go back in my mind right now to where I got saved. That's me. Could you raise your hand gently? Thank you all over this building. While there were many that raised their hands, some did not raise their hand. Can I tell you today, you are loved. You have been prayed for. And I wouldn't embarrass you for the world, but I would like to pray for you. If you don't know Jesus Christ, my prayers cannot save you. Jesus can, but I sure would like to pray for you. I won't embarrass you. I won't call your name out. If you say, Brother Allen, that's me. I needed Jesus Christ in my heart and life. I need to be saved. I don't have a place, but I sure would like to have one where I got saved. If that's you this morning, would you just slip your hand up and say, Brother Allen, that's me. Would you just pray for me? Would you pray for me? I need to make that decision in my life. Absolutely no pressure on you at all. I need to make that. Anybody like that? Here's my hand, Brother Allen. By your admission, you're saved. Here's what some of you need to do. You need to take what you've been facing, what you've been going through, and stop fighting it. Start saying, oh, God, you've got a purpose. See, all things work together, not for everybody, for those that love God and the called according to his purpose. If you don't love God, it's not going to work out. If you don't realize his purpose for your life, it ain't going to work out. Maybe you've been crucified. Let's deal with it this morning. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for the ability to just be in your church today. But Lord, I don't believe you. Were, I have preached this message on accident. I don't believe I'm here by accident. Father, I pray that you would do your work. I pray that your people would do business with you today in an old-fashioned altar. Thank you for the decisions that are going to be made and are being made right now to not run from our crucifixion, but say, this is the day I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.